Hey guys, I'm Turlove. And I'm Emerson. We co-host a podcast at UW called Red Square. Every other week, we stand on Red Square and have conversations with people who open up to us about love, discovery, surprise, and sometimes even whales. We believe that each person has a story, and in sharing them, we can build a little more empathy on our campus. So head over to uwpodcast.com and listen to Red Square. Welcome and thank you for joining us here once again at the Box Seat Podcast. I'm Josh Hetty. And I'm Caden Condor. And we're your guide to anything and everything college basketball related. Today is Monday, February 24th, and we'll be discussing all the big matchups of this past weekend, talking about what teams we can trust at the top. And we'll also have on Anthony Edwards for another episode of Meet the Writers. Mm-hmm. And starting the show off like we do every week uh, with some rapid fire. This is just where me and Josh go back and forth and talk about last weekend's action. So, Josh, do you want to kick it off? Of course. All right. In the most anticipated sequel since The Godfather Part Two, Kansas gets the better of Baylor and Waco to even up the season series at one apiece. With Udoka Azubuke exploring for 23 and 19. And Udoka Azubuke, he will continue to be a key piece if Kansas wants to fulfill their hopes of winning a championship. Providence knocks off Marquette to give them an 0-2 week. The Fires are one of the strangest teams as they have now won their last four games against ranked opponents. And Marquette, this team cannot afford to lose too many games if they hope to make the tournament. San Diego State's dream of a perfect season is no more, as the UNLV running Rebels go into Southern California and come out with their biggest win of the season and pure euphoria. Malachi Flynn in this one did his best Trey Jones impression, keeping the Aztecs in the game with a couple clutch threes, but in the end, the last undefeated team in the country lost. Another upset was brewing in Provo, with the BYU Cougars staying up past their bedtime to beat Gonzaga in one of the most electric atmospheres of the season. BYU is 15-2 when Yodley Childs plays. And I'm not going to crown this BYU team a Final Four contender like most of America, it seems, but they definitely do deserve consideration, so they're a team that we'll be following as the season comes to an end. The Mick Cronin train keeps on rolling. The Bruins knock off Colorado in Boulder, and UCLA has now won five in a row with a push for the tournament. Mick Cronin was my pick for best coaching hire in the preseason, and in just one season, Cronin has UCLA playing grittier and tougher than any other team in the Pac-12. The wheels are fully coming off this West Virginia team. They have now lost four of its past five and have failed to score over 70 points in each of those five games. This West Virginia team was never really on my radar. I was never a huge fan of them, but they just have too little talent to compete in the Big 12 right now. The Auburn Tigers came roaring back from 17 down in the second half and held Tennessee to just 12 points in the final 14 minutes of play to win 73-66. to This Auburn Tigers team is the most explosive team in the country, and once they have some game momentum, they continue to elevate their play to another level. Florida showed a lot of fight in Lexington, hanging on with the Wildcats for 40 minutes, but Emmanuel Quickly's 26 points proved too much for Mike White and company. The Gators really needed this win for their attorney hopes. Emmanuel Quickly, though, shut them down. Devastation strikes once again for this Arizona squad. They have now lost Oregon twice by one point in overtime both times. Peyton Pritchard continues to put this team on his back with 38 points in this one. And in a tie game, Arizona missed two free throws to win the game in regulation. And then they missed two more free throws to lose the game in overtime. 
Penn State goes 0-2 on the week after a loss at Assembly Hall. The Nittany Lions need Myron Jones back as soon as possible or else their seeding will continue to plummet. And Jones is this Nittany Lions best shooter and without him, Lamar Stevens really has nobody else to kick the ball out to when he's double teamed. Butler drops to below 500 in conference play and are in complete free fall. But how about those Creighton Blue Jays? So hot right now. <laughs> I love Zigorowski on Creighton, but there just is no reason for how good of a player he is that Kamar Baldwin on Butler, there's no reason that Kamar Baldwin should be scoring seven points in a game as big as this one. After dropping a game to Iowa earlier this week, Ohio State responds with another massive win over Maryland, snapping a nine-game win streak. The Buckeyes now have four wins against top ten teams. And those quad one wins will definitely play a huge role in the committee's decision to include them in the NCAA tournament. All right, that's all we got for rapid fire. What a what a fantastic weekend of college basketball! Yep. Like Saturday especially was just a game, quick hitter after quick hitter. Just from nine in the morning till nine at night, it was just games constantly. Very fantastic. Three of the top four teams in the nation lost. Uh, yeah, I mean we're obviously going to talk about Kansas Baylor. That was the the most hyped matchup, but we'll get kind of into that one. Number one, Baylor hosting number three. Kansas Baylor did play them a few weeks ago in Lawrence was able to pick up a big win that's what launched them up to number one eventually and this Kansas team used to be number one earlier in the season they did get the better of Baylor in this one to even up the series and now Kansas leapfrogs Baylor to be number one in the nation so what what do you see out of both Kansas and Baylor yeah. in this game well the biggest difference I found between the first time that these teams played and then this this past weekend was the play of Udoka as a bouquet definitely his ability to dominate the paint definitely showed up more in this game last weekend than it did the first time they played, and I think he was the big difference why those two results differed. He was able to completely dominate any 50-50 ball. He would grab the rebound. He had a couple easy put-back dunks, you know, offensive rebounds. He was able to grab some and kick them out to Kansas's shooters like Devon Dotson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was really just dominant in any sense of the word. He Baylor really had no answer for him down low. Yeah, definitely. I mean, his Baylor team is uh, not very big, and no. they have a guy like Mark Vidal, who's one of their uh, post defenders. He's only 6'5". Obviously, mm-hmm. he's a big boy. Yeah. Freddie Gillespie's another guy that it's a great story that he came from a Division three college and is now starting in one of the top teams in the country, but he still isn't as talented yeah. as a guy like Yudoka Azabuke. And it's, it's a, he's a matchup problem for anyone, and it proved pretty obvious in this and one. And I just don't think this is a good matchup for Baylor because Azabuke is one of the biggest you know, big men in the Big yeah. 12. So I just don't think that this is a good matchup for Baylor. But I do think that if Kansas goes up against a team who has a big five-man, who has a bit, another big center that can kind of bang a little bit with Azabuke inside, then I think Kansas could run into some problems. That's really my only. That's really my only hesitancy on putting them in the Final Four right now. Mm-hmm. Is just if you can lock down Azubuke, this team becomes a lot more one-dimensional. Yeah, and I guess we'll talk a little bit about Kansas because I'm, I've been banging the drum for months now that this is the team, and this was just another example of that. I'm I haven't been paying attention to their Vegas odds to win at all, but I'm sure it. Uh, got significantly lowered after this win, like less money to win in that case. Yeah, and the I agree with you. If they can run into a big man that can actually match up with, but Udoka this is definitely a, a great win. This oh, is definitely oh, no, not taking no anything away no, from no. this win. But yeah, um, I I mean we're kind of putting them on the pedestal of like this is the team to beat now, and it, that's what I've been kind of saying for a while that they, this is the best team. And until someone really knocks them off, I'm I'm still gonna be yeah. banging that drum. And 
Azubuke could be a matchup problem for anyone, but if there's a team with a big man that can uh, match up with them well, which I'm not sure who that really is at this point, but if there is someone like that that can match up with them, that could be a yeah. problem. Another problem I could see in the future is if Devon Dotson gets in foul trouble in the game because they really don't have a backup point guard. Mm-hmm. And he's been playing 30, 35-plus minutes in yeah. most of these games. and he, He's capable of it, but if he does get in foul trouble – that yeah. the wheels can start falling off yeah. if they don't have someone to run the show. Yeah, and Kansas, they have the players, they have the talent, but like you were saying, it's just depth. That's mm-hmm. that's really the only weakness on this team because when their players are out there playing, you know, getting 35, 40 minutes in a game, I agree they're a top three team in the country. Yeah. But if one of those players gets injured, if one of those players is locked up somehow, they become more one-dimensional. But again, that's like most teams in the country. You know, if your best players are guarded, if your best players get into foul trouble, you become a worse team, so it's kind of mm-hmm. it's yeah. kind of being nitpicky there. Exactly, but that's my only hesitancy. Yeah, but I think it's just more important when your team is like so dependent on like someone to run the point when you don't have anyone else that could run it like exactly. behind Dotson. But again, I'm not taking anything away from Kansas. Obviously, they're the number one team in the nation now. They deserve it, especially if mm-hmm. Gonzaga went down. Yeah. But this is the, their depth has been improving. They they've moved Isaiah Moss into the starting lineup. Uh, a few weeks ago, and Devin McCormick is now coming off the bench, who's uh, another really good big man for them. But besides him and Azubuka, that's pretty much all they have for mm-hmm. big guys until DeSosa gets back, which yeah. uh, that's other things. Like they're doing this all without DeSosa, who's like their 10th best player, so that's very <laughs> impressive. And, and Baylor kind of shifting gears a little bit. They were the number one team in the nation before this. Mm-hmm. Where do they go from here after losing this game? They had been number one for a couple weeks and were kind yeah. of – resting on their laurels a bit a little bit so where do you think they go from here i still think that the ceiling for this baylor team could be the number one seed overall they're still in position only two losses i think they're going to see kansas again in the big 12 tournament very possible they're the top two teams in that conference quite obviously and if they play again and baylor gets the better of them in the in the third matchup then they take the season series i think they're the number one seed overall but, yeah, Baylor's still a very, very good team. And while I don't think their ceiling is quite as high as Kansas, I don't see any reason that they couldn't make a Final Four. And they're still they're still number three in the nation. Yeah. No time to panic. You lost a game to one of the best teams, if not the best team in the nation. But need to regroup, need to finish out the season strong, and can't let this get to you. Yeah, and Baylor might have gotten a little bit exposed inside by Azubuke, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah. That might be one weakness that they might have taken But not every game. team has Udoka Azubuke. Exactly. <laughs> not every team has that, and Baylor will be able to... They'll be fine. They've got enough yeah. talent. They're the number one team for a reason. Mm-hmm. They'll be okay, I think. Yeah. I'm only concerned about Scott Drew in the tournament. He hasn't really had any success, uh, extended <laughs> success. So, I mean, this is a good enough team for him to get that success, but yeah. of course that's a reservation if you have coaches like that that haven't really made that run before. Mm-hmm. All right, getting to some best and best wins, worst losses. My best win was the Ohio State University. After losing to Iowa, they came back and actually beat Maryland. I mentioned earlier in the rapid fire, there was a nine-game win streak for the Terps. Shut that one down pretty quickly. This Ohio State team has been uh, just as crazy as the entire nation for college basketball this year, looking like they were maybe going to be a one or two seed. Then uh, we weren't even sure if they were going to make the tournament a few weeks ago, and now. They're kind of nestling into that six seed range, and this was a big win for them to kind of stay in that uh, tw- top twenty five range. I think they're like twenty two or twenty three now, so they're hanging around. It seems like they're starting to peak again, perhaps. So something to monitor. If DJ Carden can come back, this team is uh, is is scary because we we've seen their ceiling earlier this year, and if they can get back up to that ceiling, 
I still think their ceiling is as high as damn near everyone in the country. I think they they were really rolling there for a while. Yeah. What seed do you think is likely for them in in March? At five or six, probably. Five or six. Yeah, I guess okay. that. Yeah, and they are a team like you said that's peaking at the right time. Again, the whole season really doesn't matter until these last couple weeks yeah. until the tournament because that's when you know that's when you start winning games and you start getting closer and closer and you know what happened in November is irrelevant at this point. Yeah, definitely. Was it what was your best win? Uh, so my best win was kind of a Pac-12 after dark game. Yeah. Uh, the Oregon Ducks yeah. taking down the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, I was really impressed with Oregon actually being able to come out with this win because they were playing at Arizona, and the atmosphere over there was crazy. This is an Arizona team that really, really needed this win. They really, really wanted this win. Uh, I think Oregon had beaten them earlier in the season, so they were also kind of coming back for revenge a little bit. And Arizona, Nico Mannion was leading this team, and they were kind of going back and forth the whole game. But, I mean, Arizona, at the end of the day, they did kind of blow it, like we mentioned in the rapid fire. (coughs) Excuse me. They missed a couple free throws in regulation, uh, and those were huge. That would have, yeah. if they had hit one of those free throws, they would have taken the lead with like one second on the clock. Um, and then in overtime again, they did miss more free throws. But Peyton Pritchard dropped a career high at thirty-eight in this game, I think. Yeah. Uh, so the, that was the biggest thing I grabbed for, from this was Oregon and Peyton Pritchard were able to travel to Arizona and beat a ranked team in overtime where really nothing was going the Ducks' way in this one. Uh, mm-hmm. they, I really didn't think they should have come out with this win, but the fact that they did to me is the most impressive part mm-hmm. of it all. Yeah, and they're coming off a loss to Arizona State early, earlier in the week, and they had to kind of buckle down and get this one to not go over on the road trip, and Arizona tr- road trip is really hard. So, yeah, big win. Arizona is a team that I feel like they are they look better than they actually are mm-hmm. at times, and they're a team I want to like and want to put my trust in but they just can't really win these big games and yeah. that's a, definitely a problem i mean free throw shooting at the, at the end of the day we, we'd be singing a completely different tune if they had just hit yeah. one free throw out of four at yeah. any point in the game it's crazy how um, it all boils down to just that <laughs> it really does because zeke Naji is a beast down low for them definitely. nico Mannion's a, a floor general and i think those two players arizona just can't get over the hump right yeah. now and i think this win this loss was huge for them because it, it would have been a huge confidence booster mm-hmm. if they had taken taken home the win in this one. Definitely. And my worst loss, I had uh, Tennessee uh, going up against your Auburn Tigers. They were 17 points up in the second half. It was about 15 minutes left. Up 17. And not only do they lose this game, they blow that lead, but Auburn even covers the spread. So Tennessee was 6.5-point dogs in this. So basically, as long as they don't lose by 7 points or more, then if you bet on Tennessee, which I didn't, obviously, but if you're one person that did, like, you got to be kicking yourself. Like, are you kidding me? Like, not only were you up 17, but then you still lost by 7. Like, just barely covered the spread. So that was a tough loss for Tennessee. They're going to be out of the tournament. This was their only chance to maybe squeak into the bubble, but there's no way now. Yeah, and I <coughs> – jeez, excuse me. Uh, I, have an, <laughs> I have a secondary best win rather than a worse loss. It's yeah. Auburn defeating Tennessee, yeah, so other kind side of the other side of the coin. They beat Tennessee without Francis Okoro, who is their best player besides I, Isaac Dottie. Okoro. Uh, Francis is the Okoro on the Ducks, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right, actually. Isaac Okoro. Um, he's a, is he a freshman? I think he's, yeah, he is. He's, he's their like, only freshman. That's at least mm-hmm. the one that plays in that and team. And he's, he's projected on some NBA big boards. He's kind of moving up the rankings a little bit there. Uh, he's a player who I think he plays three or four for them, but he's a guy who can go get rebounds. He can shoot the three. Super versatile yeah. player. So not having not having him is huge for Auburn. 
makes them a lot more one-dimensional. And they, like you said, they were down 17 points in this game. Was it at Tennessee? I think it was at home. Mm-hmm. It was at Auburn, I think. Uh, but Samir Doughty was the only player in this one to hit double figures with 22 points. So he really carried the load. But this team, the biggest thing I grabbed from this was just the resiliency of the Tigers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been on their, I've been on the Tigers train all year. You know, Bruce Pearl, that's my boy. And this <laughs> win to me just proved that they can never be counted out of a game. Which, in March, that's the biggest thing. You're going to be losing games. You're going to be, you know, down down on your luck. You're going to have bad bad calls going against you. Whatever it may be. And the fact that the Tigers are so streaky, so explosive that they can come back from 17 points down, that's a huge deficit to make up. So I was really impressed with this one. Definitely, yeah. And they're coming off two losses also, two bad losses to Missouri and to someone else, bad friend who it was. It was uh, Georgia as well. So two road losses there and there. Down 17, that's when find a way to come back. Very Mm -hmm. big win for their tournament seeding. They're they're already in the tournament at this point, but it just depends on where they're going to fall. They need Isaac Okoro back soon too. I also had a best loss, and it was actually San Diego State because Mm -hmm. now they have put themselves in position where they're – well, I mean, this was before Gonzaga lost, I guess. So now if they had they won this game, they would have been the one seed in the West. But it looks like now they're probably setting up to be the two seed in the West, which is way better than being the one seed in the East. Personally, I think so because instead of playing in New York, if you make it to the regional round, you're going to be playing in Los Angeles, which is so much better and. So that would be nice. And if we do end up getting a San Diego State, Gonzaga in the West, that would be pretty cool for the Elite Eight. But I'm not sure how well that will shake out. Mm-hmm. One more shout-out for the best win. Uh, we didn't really mention it, but BYU yeah, beat BYU. Gonzaga yeah. uh, at BYU, and that was a huge win. That game they was really, awesome. It was an awesome game. And BYU really you know, showed their showed their stuff in this one because Gonzaga made a run, and, and Gonzaga had all the momentum at one point in the game, and BYU was just able to – you know, keep knocking down shots. Yoeli Child's a beast. Yeah, he's. I mean, the they've been a good team all year, but when they have him, they're actually like a really, really good team. So, and he's been in and out of the lineup. He's been having a lot of injury problems the whole time he's been at BYU. So, one, uh, yeah, fun team to look for. TJ Haas on that team, the the guy that looks like he's forty years old. Yeah, I mentioned he's gonna be one of the cult heroes of the tournament, but. I, was, I actually like that pick now because I watched that Gonzaga <laughs> game and he's he's got good hoop man he's he kind of nasty he's got the old man game he's deceptively quick he is and he has a nice pull up game too yeah no, he's shots. solid yeah he's he's from the 2014 class from high school those BYU <laughs> guys mission, they just yeah. go on their missions and come back just <laughs> so he's like fo- legit like 25 or something right yeah <laughs> isn't it is it an advantage maybe going up against 18 year olds maybe yeah who knows. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. All fair play. Yeah, we'll see. The experience will we'll shine through. So right now, the top eight teams, uh, BYU is not one of these top eight teams, but the top eight basically shake out to the one and two seeds right now. Right now, it looks like the one seeds are probably going to be Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, and Dayton, at least if, if the tournament started tomorrow. And then the, your two seeds would probably be San Diego State, Florida State, Duke, and Kentucky, most likely, if just based on the top eight, because that's the top eight right now. Which of these teams do you trust the most, and which of these teams do you not want to take more mm. than a round or two in the in the tournament? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, that's tough because I would say teams that I trust the most. Maybe I'll give you just like two or three of my most trusted teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gonzaga, lots of trust in them, even though they came up that with that BYU loss. They've got the pieces. Yeah. Uh, Dayton, which is kind of might be surprising to some people because they're playing in a worse conference. Um, they have been a little bit on the downside, not playing as good lately. Um, so Gonzaga, Dayton, and let's see, last team, 
Whew, I would have to go with Kansas. You know, no. there's no ignoring them anymore after beating Baylor. You know, they they're gonna be number one in the next week's. I mean, the polls yeah, already dropped. Yeah, just right? dropped her like a few hours ago, and they're they're number one now. Okay. Yeah. So Kansas, Gonzaga, Dayton would be my yeah. most trusted teams. What yeah. about you? I'm going Kansas, also Gonzaga, like you. Uh, I love Dayton. I really love watching them play, but they are not playing really good basketball right now, and they they're kind of they're slightly. They're flying under the radar because everyone just kind of assumes, like, oh, they're in the A-10, they're going to win all these games. And they have been winning to their credit. But they've not, not been doing it very – they're not been very pretty about it. They're winning these not five, winning convincingly. Uh, ten point games against teams they should be beating by more. Mm-hmm. So – and they really haven't had a really good win all season. Their two, like, their two best, like, resume builders are we almost beat Kansas and we almost beat Colorado. And – uh, both on neutral courts, both great games, but they still lost those games. So I love watching Dayton play. I love Obi Toppin, but I'm a little concerned that once they get, once push comes to shove in like the Sweet 16, they may not be able to beat these elite yeah. teams. But when I look at these teams, I look for guard play and big man play because you need and both if both. you're going to win games in the tournament. And in the tournament, the guard play, guards, fr- especially freshman guards, they're going to struggle at some point. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to knock down shots. And you see these teams every year in March that shoot 20% from the field and just get upset just like that. It's that easy. But if you have a big man that you can rely on, which is why I like Dayton, because Obi Toppin will always be there to grab rebounds and get putbacks. And you're going to need those extra points if your guards aren't shooting well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at teams like Kentucky, uh, Nick Richards, you know, he's always going to be there. Duke, Vernon Carey's always going to be there. That's what separates these top eight teams from everybody else is that they have two-dimensional play. Yeah. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong about Dayton because I, like I, I really like them, but it's, yeah. just, it's a little concerning. I'm not, I'm not totally biting into the no, apple I, yet. I agree with a little you. bit of reservation there. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I stay in a mid-major making run, so hopefully they go, they go far. But that might be a heart pick more than a brain pick for me. Uh, I also, I hate to say it, but I really trust Kentucky this year. I feel yeah. like it's such a weird year, and I just trust Coach Cal, like figuring it out and getting a team to at least the elite eight. I think that's uh. I. I I know this team isn't great, but no one's really that good, and I I just trust Cal. He does it every year. Yeah. They always are in the lead. It seems like to me they just seem so upset prone this year. Yeah, just That's all true. their. I mean, I'm maybe not. It's just I'm me. not going to defend it to my grave. But, but honestly, I can defend all these teams for being upset prone. Besides maybe Kansas and yeah, Gonzaga. Definitely, um, I'm right there with you. Yeah. All right, now today we will be joined by new Daily Sports writer Anthony Edwards for another edition of Meet the Writers. So, Anthony, can you start by just telling us a little bit about you, where you're from, your major, all that good stuff? Yeah, so I'm a Seattle native. I'm from Kenmore, which is like 20 minutes north. I am now studying atmospheric sciences at UW and reporting for the Daily, covering softball. I I really enjoy looking at the weather outside, so that's why atmospheric science is interesting to me. Uh, the daily writers kind of tease me about it a little bit. It's kind of an inside joke too, but the yeah the experience has been fun so far. Yeah, you uh, you want to be a meteorologist when you grow up or something like Hopefully, that? Hopefully, yeah. I'm planning to double with communications and atmospheric science, but the those kind of connect because that's good for blogging and stuff. But maybe I'll be on TV someday. Nice, very very interesting. And, and what year are you? I'm a freshman this year. Freshman. Okay, so what made you interested in starting at the Daily, maybe just doing sports writing in general? Well, I've kind of been a sports fanatic my whole life, so reading stuff online, The Athletic, ESPN, Seattle Times, etc. It's it's fun to learn about people's stories, yeah. Especially not just reading like recaps of games and mm-hmm. things and 
uh, this summer before the UW football student season started, I was reading some stuff from the Daily, and I saw uh, they were hiring. So nice. I reached out to Alec, the sports editor, mm-hmm. and I asked him if you guys had any – or if the daily had any uh, positions for me. And so I kind of started from there. And yeah. it was at, it was at a time where we were in desperate need of writers. <laughs> I think it was like that fall quarter, we were down to like six sports writers yeah. and like that. And it was like, it was pretty clutch that you came through. Mm-hmm. And you said you were a sports fanatic kind of throughout high school. Did you have a favorite team or some, somebody that you followed more than another? Well, I've, I'm from Seattle. So all the Seattle teams are sure just close. So like the Sonics? I mean, yeah, this, I mean, Sonics. Sonics well, are pretty good this They're year. not here, but <laughs> they haven't lost in a, Yeah, they, they have years, not actually. lost in a long time. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I wear my round of my Sonics hoodie sometimes, you know. Nice. Gotta there you go. Throw it back. But <laughs> I really like college football. It's interesting. Gotta watch March Madness. Uh, some of the other sports, like tennis, are actually a lot of fun to watch, too. So, like Grand okay. Slams and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. covered tennis last year, and I played in high school, so I can understand nice. the I don't. I don't know if Josh is a huge tennis guy. Yeah, but I'm kind of in the minority in general, being I'm, a tennis fan. I'm usually like, I like watching like the greatest of any sport. Like I watch like the Masters and I watch like the World Cup, even yeah. though I'm like huge on golf and soccer and yeah. whatnot. But like tennis is one that I usually don't. <laughs> I usually don't go Hands towards off. still. Yeah, I mean at times like I don't mind it, but my I brother. Can understand that. My brother played tennis in high school, so I've had my. Yeah. Fair share of watching matches. My whole family's a, a kind of a tennis family, but mm-hmm. it was never really my cup of tea. Yeah. It's an acquired taste. Maybe yeah. if you played, you might have a different view yeah, on yeah. it. it just I, just, I just don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so you're covering softball yes, this I year, am. and they yes. actually just started just a few weeks ago. Yeah, so um, they had three tournaments so far. Yeah, they've already knocked out a bunch of games. Like they, I was looking, so I cover women's basketball, and they've covered, they've had like about 30 games or so this year, and like in softball. Like just started a couple weeks ago and they already have like what like sixteen or seventeen yeah, games 16, under their belt. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, how's the how's the team looking so far? Is off to a pretty good start again. It looks like. Yeah. So it looks pretty good. So um, for those who haven't heard, star uh, shortstop Sis Bates is out with a concussion. So that's kind of been a storyline. But the uh, yeah the team is kind of picking them up uh, without her. Their only loss was against Alabama, who's an, another top ten team. They got run ruled in like five innings. It was eight zero. Yeah, that was the day that Sis Bates was announced out. But besides that, they haven't lost. They've knocked off five top 25 teams, including, I think it was two last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So they beat beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Yeah. yeah, And then Northwestern was ranked number 25. But, I mean, softball rankings are kind of weird. Yeah. 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 He's been playing well. Yeah. So people that don't know, UW is kind of a softball school. At least it has been for the past decade or so. They've been very, very good. They're always in the top 10. I think two years ago they were – they got runner-up uh, to, I think, Florida State it was. So they're, they're a team that's always been in the top ten, it seems like, or at least for the past however many years. And this is – I think they're, they're ranked two right now, is that right? Yeah, ranked number two right now. So the new ranking should be released tomorrow or maybe today. Yeah, I think tomorrow. But that doesn't really matter right now. Yeah. I mean, non-conference play isn't weighted as much in uh, softball as it is in basketball. But it's been a good – uh, non-conference slate so far for UW. Yeah, no kidding. And who, so Sis Bates has been out. Who's been kind of uh, rising to the occasion? Who's a uh, who's a few players that that fans can keep their eyes on? Yeah, yeah. So um, Bates is out, which is huge offensively and defensively. Defensively. So on the offensive side, she bats leadoff, and so in her place has been left fielder Sammy Reynolds, who's a sophomore. She's a Washington native from Snohomish High School, and uh, she's been doing really well actually with Bates out probably hitting like I don't know 
three, four hundred at the top of the lineup. Nice. So that's been pretty good. And then on defense, of course, Bates has started every game since she was a freshman at UW. So it's kind of been a different kind of look for the UW middle infield. So they've had a transfer, Bailey Klingler from Texas A&M, who's a sophomore this year, who's been stepping up at shortstop, and she's been playing really well. I think that she's kind of the key to UW, whether they're going to make it or not this year. Nice, nice. And UW has been rolling this year, obviously, ranked second. Do you have any, obviously the team is going well, but how about for yourself? Have you had any moments where you've kind of just, you know, been excited to be there? Any good stories you can give us? Yeah, so UW's been on the road so far this season, so that's been kind of hard because I've only got to talk to the players like three or four times because mm-hmm. they only come back during the week. And they've played like 16 or so games. Yeah, right? so it's been three tournaments so far. Mm-hmm. They had a tournament in Georgia and then one in Florida and then they came back last week before they headed to California. They've got two more tournaments there. I'm uh, jealous, man. They're going to all the hot places and we're just here in the rain. <laughs> yeah, we should just, I should just follow them. Yeah, of daily. course. We've had sun for the past week or so though. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's been not too bad. Yeah, yeah but anyways, the uh, team without, yeah, Bates, I mean, obviously pretty good. They've been having some close games mm-hmm. and falling behind late, but they've managed to win all of those games practically that they've fallen behind yeah. in, obviously because their record is fifteen and one, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, I'm sure in those post game interviews, it's more enjoyable to be interviewing after a win. Yeah, as opposed so to I actually don't get to talk to them yeah, right now because they're on the road. Yeah, but they've played three or four games, right? You've no, played, none at home yet. They haven't not, played one game no, at home yet. No, no, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I remember last year I was like semi covering the team at the beginning, and they were in. Puerto Rico, I think it was, or it was Puerto Vallarta uh, in Mexico, and I was, like, so jealous because it was, like, just incredible weather, and they're, like, yeah, like, all their early games are on these tournaments that are, so they just get a bunch of, like, the top, like, 25 teams, and they all all just battled out for the weekend, and they'll play, like, two games a day and stuff like that, right, or, like, sometimes, do they ever play three games in a day? No, not three, so normally what UW does is go, uh, these tournaments normally start on Thursdays, but UW starts doesn't go to them till friday normally Mm. plays two games friday afternoon two games saturday during the day and then one game sunday morning before they fly back so one funny moment kind of so far has kind of been the most memorable at least was on uh friday friday night last week they played in the daytime and then they had a walk-off well it's actually afternoon they played and they had a walk-off win against wisconsin and then they followed playing bethune cookman who was one in 11 at the time so Mm. clearly not very good but um, UW uh, was pretty much, we were hoping that they would run rule Bethune Cookman so we could go to sleep because it was about 11.30. So I was texting Alec <laughs> and being like, okay, maybe uh, UW can just run rule this or they'll end the game because it was like 11.45 at night. So then they just couldn't get that next run. So we had to wait pretty much till the game was over. When did yeah. you get your story in? It was midnight. Midnight, so, yeah. yeah that, was, that was pretty fun. I had one last spring. I was covering track and field, and they were, luckily it was on the road, but they were in Arizona, I believe it was, and it was uh, thunder and lightning delay. Oh, no. And it was, like, I think the I got the story in at, like, 1 o'clock uh, in the morning. Like, yeah. it, it took it was already going to be late, as is, without the delay, and then it was, like, a three-hour delay, and it was just, like, I was waiting on, like, these, like, four races or something like that, uh-huh. and it was just, like, it was brutal. Like, I, I mean... It was fine because like I wasn't there, but yeah. The, sometimes you're at the mercy of uh, the weather or the time or whatnot. It just makes things a little more difficult. Yeah, I think the best moment for time was this year when UW football played Cal, mm-hmm. and that was like 2 a.m. when the game ended. So you know, Alec and Josh and all the photo people probably were 
struggling up there. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. Sleepiness. You're probably nerding out over the uh, over the oh, thunder, yeah, I right? Was, it was it was I was wide awake. <laughs> Checking the uh, checking the, the radar satellite and stuff. Yep. <laughs> All right. So we are a college basketball podcast, and uh, have you been able to follow the season much at all? It's been Somewhat. semi exciting. Re- it's gotten pretty exciting recently, but it's maybe been a not very topsy turvy. Husky fans. No, maybe, not at all. Maybe not as enjoyable. Well, they did win this weekend, so that's exciting. Um, yeah. Do you have Decal. any favorite teams that you have an eye on? Anybody you think is gonna make a run in March? Well, I always. I always like the Michigans, Michigan, Michigan okay. State. Those are kind of my two teams that I ride when I'm filling out my bracket, you know. Uh, of course, Michigan started off kind of with some big wins, right, and then they fell off a little bit, but I've heard they've been playing a little bit better yep, recently. Isaiah Levers is back. So, so the coach, uh, Javon. Or what was uh, Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's first-year coach, right? So Yeah, first-year I mean, coaching anywhere, so that's pretty big for him. I mean, I would, I would maybe pick them as an upset, but since it's kind of a first-year coach, Probably not, but yeah, yeah that's I mean, tough. That's tough to trust. Yeah, but the top ten's been changing all year long. It seems like Dayton's been in there mm-hmm. a lot. So I mean, I haven't had a chance to watch too much basketball because I'm pretty busy on the weekends. But I'll yeah, uh, obviously course. start watching during the tournaments soon. Yeah, for sure. Nice, nice. Only a couple weeks now until that starts. Yeah, just under three weeks from yesterday is when we'll get our bracket, and then uh, just over three. I think three weeks from this Thursday is the like first round, like the yeah. actual first round, not the play-ins like those don't count so what are the odds that arizona state gets in a first four game again i mean 100 can you go higher than 100 yeah (laughs) if you could i would seems like they're in there every year dude seriously yeah they'll well ucla is also kind of rolling right now the pac-12 is gonna be interesting to see what teams actually shake out and get Mm -hmm. in the tournament because like stanford and usc are like kind of like looks like they're kind of falling out of it now and ucla and arizona state are kind of rising so We'll see how many how many bids the Pac-12 gets. We do know that the Washington Huskies, well, I guess we don't know that for sure because they could win the Pac-12 tournament mm-hmm. in Vegas in a few weeks here, but I would not put a lot of money on that. I mean, we're probably the best worst team ever in the Pac-12. Yeah. Like, with all the talent that we have, we are probably have the highest likelihood of actually mm-hmm. making a run. Yeah. In the tournament. It's just yeah. weird to think about, but it could happen. Yeah, I mean. We could make it. Yeah, it's it's always it's always a possibility. Speaking of a uh, freshman, talented freshman on terrible teams, Anthony Edwards is a namesake. Yeah, has been balling out at yeah, Georgia. Yeah, been doing pretty well at Georgia. Yeah, yeah. he's been he's been killing it. You have any thoughts on on Anthony Edwards or how how he's been playing yeah. this season? I mean, I see his highlights. Looks like he's always throwing get tagged it down. on them. Yeah, yeah, I know. I always uh, repost that. You know, I've gotta <laughs> gotta show off my highlights. You know, but. Yeah, heard he's a lottery pick. Might be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, you actually look pretty similar so, to him, also. Yeah, so I actually, could see same build. You know, I'm like, a lot, <laughs> I'm like six eight. A lot of confusion there. <laughs> All right, you got anything else, Caden? Uh, no. Thank you for coming on the show, though, Anthony. Awesome, yeah, of course. Yeah. All right, we're gonna kind of start closing it out now. We're gonna do a little odds and ends. I got a I got a Rostein update. So he's uh he got he has his little sayings. Caden's not a big fan of them, and. One of them is Greg Gard, coach of Wisconsin, is a silent assassin. So he actually has a T-shirt for it. And Nate Reavers was actually rocking the T-shirt the other day. So that was, and, and who's Nate Reavers? Uh, he's one. He's like one of the big men for Wisconsin. So, oh, I see. Yeah. So he the 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 Rothstein influence is spreading. It's huh? spreading very much. Yeah. The spoken word. There you go. Of John Rothstein. He's picking up his his clout a little bit. Uh, oh, his clout game's going up a notch. There, I saw this on Reddit, but. There's like a world where there's a ten way tie for the Big Ten title. Like it has to, a bunch of crazy stuff has to shake out, and it looks like Maryland's probably gonna win it. But like 
So there's a there's a world in which there's a ten way tie for the Big Ten title, which is very very exciting. Mm-hmm. Archie Miller went Bob Knight in Indiana, and he punched a clipboard out of uh, or it's like a whiteboard out of his assistant coach's hand. I don't know if you saw that. That I was think pretty I did. funny. Yeah. There was also another game. <laughs> after like a missed free throw or something. Similar to that. In the Oregon-Arizona game, Sean Miller was was going after the – what is the, the little signage that are that is right behind the coaches, where the coaches stand, um, where they put the ads up and everything. Oh, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Like kinda yeah, the, the, the board. Whatever yeah, the board. He was, he was smashing it with his – Very good stuff. You know, the Bill, Miller, Bill Walton and Dave yeah. Pash were loving that. <laughs> the Miller brothers hate, uh, hate property. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Pope. Took a page out of Travis Steele's book and went to a restaurant and bought dinner for all the BYU students after their big win against Gonzaga. Very exciting. Do you think he paid for all their uh, alcoholic beverages also? I think he, he chipped in for that. It's possible. I Mike think, I think me and you probably contributed just as much to all their alcoholic <laughs> beverages. M- Mike Hopkins did a similar thing for the game. He he brought pizzas out to yeah. the, the dog peck students. Yeah, yeah I dropped the bag Good a little guy. bit. Also, i got to shout out Mary Ann Wakefield. Big, big Marianne Wakefield fan. Uh, she's on Sister Jean Watch this year. Ole Miss fans thinks a 94-foot putt at one of the Ole Miss games. During and, halftime or something? Yeah, it was like during halftime. She wins a car from it, but it was a putt all the way down. Everyone's losing their minds. Uh, she's like 80 or something Oof. years old. She's That's pretty legendary. Old. Yeah. So Sister Jean Watch for sure go. if Ole Miss can get in the tournament and make a run. She, she's on the top of that list. And throwing it back one more time to my Auburn Tigers, how about Bruce Pearl appear, appearing on last week's episode of The Bachelor? Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Uh, Madison and Pistol Pistol Pete, Pilot Pete, going on that date on the <laughs> Auburn Tigers hardwood. We'd love to see it. Bruce Pearl winning off the court and on the court. There you go. All right, we're going to get get into some games to watch for this week. Not super exciting. Uh, tonight's the big one, Louisville at Florida State. It's number, I think, number six against number 11. So very exciting. That one's at 4 p.m. coming up pretty soon here. I'm hoping this is a, this is a game where both teams actually play well because mm-hmm. the ACC needs a good game right now. <laughs> Because but the ACC might get three teams in, like that's a that's a very real possibility. Yeah, right and Louisville and Florida State, they're both ranked pretty highly, but they're not really playing the best basketball in the country. So mm-hmm. it, I'll be interested to see the level of this game. Mm-hmm. Besides that, on Tuesday, Iowa at Michigan State could be a good matchup. That's a top twenty-five matchup at four p.m. Texas Tech at Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a bubble team right now. This would be a big win if they could beat the Red Raiders. That one's at six p.m. Wednesday. Rutgers at Penn State, 4 p.m. Maryland at Minnesota, 6 p.m. Just a couple good Big Ten games. And then Thursday, Wisconsin at Michigan. Wisconsin's another bubble team. They could really use a nice win. And Michigan's been rolling right now. That one's at 4 p.m. So pretty much a lot of Big Ten games. And besides that, a few other decent ones. But th- this week, after this weekend, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of slow. And we'll see. I mean, we're, we're gearing up for the, for the big weeks. Yep, we got one more week until March, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, exactly. We're um, almost there. Do you have anything else for today, <laughs> Nah, Josh? I think I'm good. All right. Uh, Well, this has been the Box Seat Podcast. I am Caden Condor. I'm Josh Odey. And thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, If you guys have any questions, just DM us on Twitter at the Box Seat Podcast. And we will be back on Friday to talk about all the week's action. See you guys then.